Scott. Hi, my name is Scott, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Scott. Hi. And there's proof in there if you need that. And uh, I recently added something new to that that uh, may or may not be helpful. I don't know. People seem to like the, the little charts I put in there, and I added a new one about my weight gains and losses. By the way, if you're new or newish, we don't do weigh-ins here. That's just something for my own you know, practice. It's information that I need to have, even if I feel like I don't need to have it. So uh, I came to my first meeting on Friday, March 2nd, 2001. I was 28 years old. I was still living at home with my parents. I was... Um, I had no college degree, I didn't have a driver's license, I never went on a date, I never kissed anyone, I never made love, I was never in a romantic relationship. Uh, I had approximately $25,000 in debt, most of which was credit card debt, and my credit score was in the low 200s. I was 315 pounds and waiting to die. I was very, very sick actually. Um, my life consisted of food, TV, and suicidal ideations. In fact, three years before that first meeting at age 25, I decided that I'm going to eat myself to death because I couldn't win with the food or the weight. I couldn't win at life, period. So why not go out, go out having fun? So I kept living, and, uh, which I now see is a great thing, not a good thing, a wonderful thing. And... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's what I was like. What happened was in February of 2001, about three weeks maybe before that first meeting, I agreed to be a part of this intensive outpatient program at a place that is no longer in business. Um, I was required to go there 12 hours a week to have some structure in my life because I either couldn't work or I couldn't have more than like one four-hour shift per week. You know, I was just really sick. Um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of, you know, a lot of conditions related to obesity, a lot of fatigue, had trouble getting out of bed, was often sleeping 15 to 20 hours a day. No kidding. And um, so I agreed to be a part of this uh, intensive outpatient program. And while there, I developed a crush on a woman who was there for the same reasons as me. And through a mutual attendee of this IOP program, she and I became friends. And one day, she randomly invited me to an OA meeting. And I said, yeah, I would love to go to that meeting. Uh, but I didn't say yes because I was eating out of my garbage can every night. And, you know, I didn't say yes because I was racking up a lot of debt and, you know, stealing food from jobs and money from people to buy junk food. I said yes so that I can hang out with her. So we planned for this Friday night meeting at St. Luke's Hospital in the Mission District in San Francisco. That meeting is no longer happening. Uh... We plan to go to that meeting. Before we can get to that meeting, we had a falling out, and we mutually decided probably not a good idea to attend that meeting together. So uh, after uh, mutually making that decision, you know, of course, that Friday night rolls around, and as usual, I have nothing better uh, to do 
And, you know, my intuition says, just check out the meeting. It can't hurt. And by the way, I lived not too far from that meeting. So that kind of helped too. So I went to that meeting, and I remember about 10 other people who were there. One person has since passed away, and a couple of people left the fellowship, and I think one of them moved. Um, one of them I still see on occasion at a meeting that I used to attend, and the other ones I don't remember what happened to them. Um, after that meeting, I went to a restaurant three blocks east and binged, by the way. But I felt safe enough at that meeting to want to investigate this further. And I came to my second meeting two days later at the JCC on Sunday morning, which is now at the CPMC Davies campus. Um, so that's what happened. What I am like now, I am 44 years old. I have lived on my own for the last 14 years. I uh, got a Class M driver's license and a Class C driver's license, in that order, by the way, not the other way around like most people, because I try to be different. Um, after 19 and a half years, I got my AA degree from City College of San Francisco. Two and a half years after that, I got my bachelor's from SF State, and then eight months after that, I began graduate school. Um, as we speak, I am more than halfway done with my master's in counseling. In fact, yesterday was the third week of the semester, and I, I'm, I'm calling this last leg of my, of my master's the, the downhill phase, because most of my coursework is all done. It's all complete, it's all passed, it's all passed with good grades too, if that matters. Um, most of the stuff I have to do has to do with um, internships. I have to do two one-year internships, I have to do a math, master's thesis, and then that's pretty much it. I will graduate in May of 2018. Um, what else? I have gone on dates, I've kissed, I've made love, I've, I've been in romantic relationships, and I've had breakups too. Um, I have lost 151 pounds. By, by the way, I weighed myself a couple Saturdays ago for the first time in 22 months. And that 151 number is as of that, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, last February, I learned that my credit score is at 809, which apparently is extremely high. And I'm about one month away from having a year of zero credit card debt. So at the newcomers meeting earlier, I was telling the one attendee of that, that there's a lot of tie-in between my compulsive eating and spending behaviors. Even on stuff I didn't buy, uh, even on spending outside of food, by the way. So it was nice to kind of have that a little bit calm now. Um, I have had 18 medical and psychiatric conditions completely healed just by overhauling my nutrition. And that is a literal statement. No doctors, no nurses, no therapists, no nutritionists, no surgery, um, no medications, no exercise, just overhauling my nutrition. Overhauling my nutrition means three things, but the top of that short list is looking at what I eat and what I drink, and that all begins in this fellowship. Uh, giving up refined sugar is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. 
It's not the most difficult, but it was. It is um, at the top of that list because it was the first thing I gave up, and it was the first thing I gave up with success. And it proved that many of my former I can'ts were more about I won't, and there's a huge difference between I can't and I won't, right? <clears throat> I can't is a literal impossibility. Like, I can't fly, right? I'm on a bird, I'm on an airplane. Um, I won't is more about I can do it, but I don't have the willingness right now, you know, and how can I get that willingness? So there is a huge difference there. Um, so I've been in the fellowship for over 15 years, and a lot of things have changed for me. My plans of eating have changed. My concept of God has changed. Uh, and the way I view step one has changed a lot. Um, but before I get to that, let me say this. So last Thursday, I began day one of my first year internship. I am an intern at the Oakland Department of Rehabilitation. For those of you who don't know, all state DOR offices are heavily secured. There's metal detectors and a lot of security guards and all that. So I show up and it, something hit me as I entered that building. With my lunch was a knife so I can slice my avocado in my office. It never occurred to me that that's probably a big no-no in a place like this. So I reached out to a fellow, and they got right back to me. And here's the thing. Um, I get profiled a lot. It first happened when I was 12 years old. In fact, here's a little insider information for you if, if you're curious. There are two big reasons why I dress like this right now. One of them has to do with the profiling thing. And the other has to do with... Um, this drug withdrawal I'm in the midst of. And without getting into the whole story of that and how I dress, three years ago I decided to get off of my 20th and final psych medication. And it's been almost three years later and I'm still having a lot of withdrawal symptoms. And there's this one particular withdrawal symptom that is kind of hard to describe, but that led me to dress differently. So there's kind of a backstory here with me having this knife in this heavily secured area, uh, building. So I decide to just tell the truth, which I learned to do here. I politely go up to a security guard and said, hey, you know, I'm smiling. Hey, I'm brand new, and uh, it never occurred to me that I shouldn't have this knife for my lunch. That's a no-no, right? She said, yeah, you can't bring that in. You need to check it in, and you can pick it up when you leave later on. I said, okay. So instead of whipping out the thing, I said, should I hand it to you now? And this is how I kind of have to live, right? Even when it's not 2016, by the way. This is how I've always lived. Um, and it's really hard to let go of that, by the way. Anyway, I hand it to her with the handle facing her and the pointy part facing me, and then they pack it away and write down my name and all that, and then I'm all good to go. And then I get my security clearance that day, and then next time I can you know, bring the knife or whatever, which I probably won't do. So I'm talking about that because I was able to let go of that imperfection really quickly. 
And that is a lot of spiritual progress for me. On the flip side, I spoke at a very large meeting on Sunday morning, and I got some great feedback from a lot of people afterwards, including yesterday on the phone. And um, Sunday evening, while I was out and about and at work, all I could do was think about two things I forgot to say in that share that got wonderful feedback. So overall, I am progressing when it comes to perfection, but there's always that one thing here and there where it's like, ugh. So anyway, uh, for the most part, I look at perfection as something that I can be, that I need to do without, except for the most important aspect of my life, and that's my food. I have come to a place where I believe that I need to be perfect with my food. Let me explain that a little bit. In all the first step work I have done, in all the food histories I have done, and in some of the written 10 steps I have done, the same culprits keep popping up. And I'm not, you know, there's nothing in there about Swiss chard and green beans and broccoli <laughs> and cauliflower. <laughs> Unless I wrote about not eating that stuff enough or something. <laughs> the stuff that keeps showing up has sugar in it and flour in it and corn products and, you know, um, rice, potatoes, artificially sweetened stuff, caffeine, dairy products. That stuff keeps coming up. Eating down, uh, excuse me, sitting while eating does not take away food cravings for me. Eating with the TV off does not take food cravings away from me. Weighing and measuring does not take away food cravings from me. Abstaining from the self-identified alcoholic ingredients takes food cravings away from me. I really believe that. Um, and that has been my experience, too, by the way. Um, in AA, an alcoholic needs to be perfect around their alcohol. They either drink or they don't drink. There is no gray. There is no balance. There is no compromise. And I look at my alcoholic ingredients in that same way. Um, I need to completely abstain from sugar and all these other things that I've given up. Because if I don't, then A, I'll keep having food cravings, and B, I have a hard time getting a lot of things in life accomplished. Because the thoughts about food become the higher power. It's all I can think of. So that's how I look at it. And, you know, that's a very black and white way of looking at it, you know. It's very, it's very black and white. It's very all or nothing. It's very perfect, imperfect. It's very... Uh, Male, female, logic, illogic, science, spiritual. But I really believe it's necessary, especially in, in my case. Um, it's the only thing I have done with food that has virtually taken away food cravings. And I never thought that I can say that. Um, I look at steps, so that's kind of my step one thing for right now. Um, I look at steps two through nine as four pairs of married steps. For example, steps two and three are married, four and five are married, six and seven are married, eight and nine are married. 
The even-numbered steps in those four married pairs are about lists, and those lists give me knowledge. The odd-numbered steps in those four married pairs are about an action I need to take based on the knowledge I attained from those lists I made. So, for example, step two is a list of traits that I want and, quite frankly, need from a higher power. That means, uh, you know, if I'm writing like a, a description of a God I want, you know, what would that look like? And for me, it's four simple things. You know, these are things I just want in life. I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. I want to feel safe. And I want to be at peace. So that's my concept of God. Very simple. Um, and then I kind of know what I need to do to be happy, safe, at peace, and, and, and healthy. And that always begins with the food. And when I do those things, I am doing that God's will for me. That's how I look at that. If, um, if I'm attempting to practice step three in all of my affairs, and if there's something that's potentially healthy that I'm kind of hesitating on doing, I need to ask myself, am I you know, doing the will of that God I described in step two? Or am I still trying to run the show on my own and thinking I know what's best for myself and all of you? Um, and also in my case, is there a part of me that's still kind of holding on to that childhood religious God that I feared just so much for a long time that I've worked really hard to virtually let go of? You know, is there still a part of me, you know, that's tied to that, which usually means uh, fear, by the way. Uh, step four, I think it's essentially a list of secrets. There's a lot of things in my four-step inventory that I kept to myself until I gave it away in step five. Um, I gave away that list of secrets to a human being who is living, breathing, with a conscience, who is uh, with a pulse and all that, who can call me on stuff and help me to formulate the list that show up in step six and eight. Um, that act of giving away those secrets in step five was a courageous thing for me. And for a lot of my life, I have hid. That means lying, it means eating, it means sleeping. Those are all forms of hiding to me and dishonesty. So to be able to trust another human being um, with this personal information, that was a big thing for me. Um, step six is a list of character defects. And the things that typically come up for me are dishonesty, impatience, laziness, people-pleasing is a big one, perfection, which I just spoke about, and um, a few other things. Uh, and that list, by the way, was helped... Uh, was um, formulated by the person who, who heard my fourth step inventory during the step five process. Uh, step seven, again, here's the action. And, uh, you know, it, it's just trying to live a different kind of life. I think it's about having an open mind. It's about knowing that my way of doing things has gotten me into a lot of trouble. So why not just try something different? How about just being honest 3% of the time now instead of 0% of the time or 1% of the time? 
why not make your bed every morning instead of once a month or once every three years? Why not try washing your dishes after each meal and let it, instead of letting them pile up for three weeks and having mold grow on them and wanting to hire someone to clean it up, especially when you can't afford to hire someone, so um, you want to just toss it in the garbage can and buy new dishware. That's too much of a headache. Why not just wash them after each meal? And if that feels good, great. If not, you can have your old life back. You know, money back guarantee, no obligation. So uh, my last sponsor recommended the, the dish thing, by the way. And I tried it one time because you have to start at the first time, right? And it was wonderful. And it wasn't just about not having mold and like wanting to hire someone and replace the dishware, just use paper plates only. I would walk by my sink and it would be empty and it was wonderful. I, I cannot tell you. And uh, so I mostly keep doing that. I don't practice perfection around it because I don't think it's necessary. But for the most part, the dishes are cleaned after each meal. I only need to be perfect with my food, not the, all the other stuff. Because if I can have perfection with my food, my higher power promises me 80 million forms of gray in all the other parts of my life. And that is worth the trade-off. That one act of perfection and all these other acts of um, almost like intentional imperfection. So uh, step eight is a list of all persons I had harmed and with, to whom I owe amends, including myself, by the way. What a concept that is. That is the one part of the OA 12 and 12 that I prefer over the AA 12 and 12. They actually say it is okay to make amends to ourselves. I like to refer to it as healthy selfishness because if you allow me to have my abstinent meals on time, I'm going to be really kind to you, and I'm going to be present for you, and I'm going to listen to you, and um, I think that's more than fair. And uh, then with the last three steps, 10, 11, and 12, a lot of people like to refer to them as the maintenance steps. To me, step 10 is just a microscopic version of steps 1 through 9, and it's something that I have done a lot of in written form. And with my last two minutes here, I will talk about that. Uh, I have to say that these days I am more into, I, I practice more of kind of a, a, a reflection of my day. And I kind of look at the things I'm grateful for, maybe look at the things I'd like to do differently. And I, I focus more on the second half of step 10. If there's anyone I may have rubbed the wrong way, I may want to bring it up with them. I may want to make amends. Or from this point moving forward, because I can't go backwards in time, I may just practice living amends with that person, with that institution, with society. Step 11, I have trained myself to to uh, be in constant meditation mode during all of my waking hours. I am always aware of the person I would like to be. And I am also aware of how imperfect, how imperfect I am around that process. But for the most part, I can let that go. And I always do pray before each meal and after each meal. And I do a morning prayer and a bedtime prayer too.
Step 12, um, helping others, kind of carrying the message to other people who want the message, by the way. Not my coworker who is obese, in my opinion, but didn't ask me for my opinion on that. Um, I have three sponsees currently, and I have had a lot of service commitments, including one with SF Intergroup. And, you know, it's nice to be of service, but at some point in, in my last second here, I have to figure out the balance between being of service and, and you know, codependency. And that can be a balancing act that's really tough to figure out. And sometimes it means wanting to throw this thing into the ocean. But what I do is, because that'd be a waste of money, I just turn it off. And for now, that's the best I can do. So I hope that was helpful. Thank you for listening, and I'll stop there. Thank you.